podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Cleverly for Sheringham. The Bermondorf. And the foe all the way. Hello there guys and welcome back to the last word on Spurs. We're looking back on that cruel defeat against Liverpool in the Premier League and also bringing up to Tottenham Hotspur's first official Premier League game in their brand new stadium on Wednesday night against Crystal Palace. Now before we start the show I have to say a massive thank you for the last couple of weeks to Lee McQueen Jamie from the Daily Hotspur and Chris Cowling. Now, I'm sure for many of you out there who don't know already, Jason's been mocking me for quite a long time. I'm getting married in the next couple of weeks, which is hence the reason due to wedding commitments, I've not been involved on the Love Sports shows as much as I've wanted to be over these last few weeks. But I have to hand it to the guys. They've been wonderful. We're lucky to have a wonderful team at the last word on Spurs where everybody contributes and creates some wonderful shows. So I just want to update the listeners that Jason McGovern is back on this very show for this one. Joining Jason for this show and myself, we're delighted to have returning guests to the last word on Spurs. Of course, we've got Ian Gunn, a founding member of the show. Joining myself, Jason and Ian, we are delighted to be welcoming back to the show Abby Summers along with John from Lily White Rose. Listen, try and enjoy it. Gutting defeat against Liverpool, but we've got the brand new stadium to look forward to on Wednesday night with a huge game against Crystal Palace where three points now is looking absolutely essential. Jace, great to have you back on the show. Let's discuss Liverpool then, as painful as it's going to be. So the game itself, Jace, seemed completely in Spurs' hand to take all three points, yet we somehow came away with absolutely nothing. You can't help but feel that both Sissoko and Lloris will be having nightmares for different reasons about the key moments during that game where both were at fault. Tell us what you made, Jace, of that result and performance. It was just a real roller coaster today, wasn't it? We thought Chelsea were going to get beat. We end up thinking, oh, they've nicked a point, then they go and win it. So, you know, you've already gone through one, you know, peaks and trough type thing. Then, then you come to us and we're getting beaten at half time and you're thinking we're going to struggle to get anything then you you get that equaliser and, and we look like we could go on and win the game I thought we missed three really good chances towards the end not just the Sissoko one it was there was the Danny Rose balloon ball and then there was Delhi's one but then to end up throwing it away right at the death again just you know ruined really ruined the day didn't it and it was you know, we talk about tiny margins all the time, don't we? And Chelsea looked like they were going to drop points and we were going to get something from the game, even if it was a point. You know, that would have been a massive point in the context of the form we're on. But uh, to throw that one away in the way that we did was just, you know, just crushing, wasn't it? And we really now, we really need this boost that, that Wednesday hopefully will give us. Yeah, I agree with you on that, Jason. John, you know, the end of that game was so cruel, as Jason's alluded to there, where Spurs actually looked like they were exercising a few demons, you know, overcoming an unconfident start to play with some real verve, equalising, creating good opportunities f- for a winner. And, I mean, like Jason says there, that first game at the new stadium is looking really rather important now against Crystal Palace on Wednesday night. That Wednesday night game is, is huge because it's not just that one-off game. It builds the springboard for the following four other home games that will precede that. And it's vital that we take three points in each of those games to get 15 in total and really push on to get a top four place. If we fail to win that first game, we're going to have that sort of new stadium fear overhanging us. And uh, it may be difficult to pick up the groove moving forward. Mm, I agree with that. Abby, come on, what was your thoughts on that game? Desperately disappointing to somehow come away with nothing. It's almost like we'd snatched a defeat from the jaws of victory. I think before we went there, based on our form, you probably didn't think we were really going to come out on top. But... 
I actually thought we didn't play too badly in recent weeks. I've seen us play far, far worse. Um, second half performance was actually not not too bad, but just it's it's again individual errors. And I know it is a team game, but there are so many times this season that individual players have cost us in very, very big games and at very, very crucial moments. But it's not just yesterday. It's the last kind of well since the the last game we won which was I think Leicester in in the league since then we've just I don't know what's happened to us you know it's just like there's just not a full commitment from anyone in that squad I feel and like you get a half game against Southampton the first half I thought we played well and then drop off again second half and it's terrible but you know it's 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 not okay to lose you know a 10 12 13 point lead you know at this stage of the season and I thought we'd overcome that and yesterday was just another kick in the teeth because we definitely should have taken something, if not three points, like like the guy said, a point from that game. And to come away with nothing right at the death again with individual errors, it's just like, where does it end? The fact of the matter is, we didn't play too badly. I thought Spurs played ever so well throughout the game itself, especially second half. And we somehow come away with a defeat. And you may look at it and think, is it in a way typical top? You know, go into a big away game dominate the game, create enough chances to actually win it and then can see one of the softest goals you'll ever see to lose a match. I mean, Ian, you was there at Anfield. Thoughts on the game? Well, it was interesting and I, and I don't normally like to name drop, but on the way up to uh, Anfield yesterday, we bumped into Harry Redknapp at Western on the Green service station on the A34 and he was going there as well and he was saying that um, he reckoned we'd get a win out or we get we get a result. And, and to be fair, I'd have settled for a point on the way up. And then, as, as everybody else has alluded to, we sort of go up there, we, we concede a really soft goal from my perspective. You know, what? As a, as, a, as a full-back, you've surely got to try and stop the crosses coming in. But um, And then, then you look at it, and then we, we, we play really well in the second half. And we get the, 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 the equaliser. And then in the 90th bloody minute again, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just becoming to the stage where I almost sort of like am resigned now to a an individual error. And what is it, one point out of 15? You know, we need to we need to eradicate this. And you know, I don't I don't wish to sort of like put a damper on Wednesday, but the the, the Gooners their first game in in the Emirates was a one-one draw, so. You know, let, let, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. <laughs> well, it's a big game Wednesday night. You know, Premier League-wise, the table could look a lot different when it comes to that first game of the new stadium against Crystal Palace. And, you know, you bring it up there, Ian, and so is Abby about the individual errors in this team. And, you know, we'll point them out. You know, there's been some massive individual errors, as we've said, this season. You look back, you go Liverpool at home, Michelle Vaughan twice. you got Man City at home, Trippier. Man United at home, Trippier Lloris. Arsenal at home, Sanchez. Liverpool away, Lloris twice. Uh, Arsenal away, Vertonghen fourth. Chelsea away, Trippier. I mean, the concern is, Jace, that the individual errors are becoming more and more frequent this season. And, you know, Mark Brownlee comes in with a question here. He says, difficult decisions of players and the manager reference getting back in from the club and money for transfers when they can't clean up after their own performance. The squad had what it needed to win the game, but couldn't because of their own individual errors. Do you agree, Jace, on that? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I think as Abby said, we all knew it was going to be a really tough game. And in, in games, particularly against the, the other top six sides, you know you're going to have to almost... Certainly, when you play them away, you're going to need, you know, the perfect performances. I mean, we, we, our next two away games are both at the Etihad, and you can't be, you can't be doing some of the daft things that we're doing in these games. And and, and some of those goals have been so soft; it's untrue. I mean, the the one against Arsenal with Sanchez's header, I mean, that own goal was just painful to watch, wasn't it? At Chelsea, I mean, you know, it was reminiscent of Tim Sherwood's collapse at Chelsea that type of goal you just can't do them I mean if you do it at home to Huddersfield you think right okay over the course of 90 minutes you can make it up but to do those to make those mistakes particularly in the 90th minute and things like that it's it's criminal and the annoying thing is we, we constantly say this is a you know a fantastic group of players we've got and we don't want to sell this one and we don't want to sell this one but at some stage you're going to have to accept that some of our some of our favoured players are the ones that are continuing to make these mistakes. And, and at some stage, it has to stop. Or you do have to reach the stage where you think it's time to draw a line under some of them. And I don't just mean Hugo. I'm not singling out any one player. But 
you know, as, as you say, when you list them all, they're, they're from a whole range of different players, and you just can't keep going like that if, you, if you're going to be a top side. That's no, true. And John Reggie Moore at Moore underscore Reggie says, why can't we see games off when we have the chance? Free opportunities to put it away, yet we can see from nothing. Heartbreaking, but not a foreign feeling. Yeah, I mean, look, Liverpool at Anfield this season, um, they've been, you know, they're, they're top of the league. They've been putting serious pressure on teams. They've been getting big wins. And that, that's the ability that they've, they've got with the players. And that the, the, the Anfield support puts the pressure on as well. It's a shame our players basically collapsed in the way they did with that moment of madness from Loris. Um, but I want to try and put a bit of a positive spin on the game. I mean, second half Anfield, absolutely nobody has played Liverpool off the pitch like we did no, yesterday. so true. Yep. We, had free, we, we had free chances to win the game. I mean, uh, everyone's coming down on Sizoko, but I mean, he'd run the entire length of the pitch. His legs were going to be very heavy at that point. Um, you know, and he couldn't have squared, squared it to Sonny because Van Dijk knew that's what he wanted to do. Um, look, he should have scored, don't get me wrong, but I think to come down on Sizoko never been a finisher and he'd run the whole length of the pitch is quite difficult um, but I mean I would have I would have been disappointed to leave with one point yesterday to leave with nothing is just sickening mm. I mean Abby questioning from Jeff Knight who says question for the crew when Sissoko is barreling down on goal did you think for a moment he might actually do it come on just maybe no <laughs> no I swear to you I was, I was all sitting here watching it with a couple of my friends and my dad and we, you know when you're like at the edge of your seat and yeah. you're like oh my god oh my god is he going to do it and we were like no he's not going to do it he's not going to do just it just square it to Sonny square it to Sonny it's, it's, it's not his fault like look he should have scored it like we all just said but it's, it's not his fault because then we did have two or three chances after that and I think of late our finishing has been a bit a bit below par against Southampton first half we had so many chances and we scored one goal and I think it does come down to I'm not saying obviously it's nothing about Harry Kane it's not about individuals it's just there's obviously a lack of quality somewhere in our squad in that area and also if you look at the goals we are conceding you know a few seasons ago we had like the best defence in the league which is something we've never really had and it's just dropped off slowly but surely with the fullbacks and I do also agree with with Toby as well you know he's not as perfect as I think everyone likes to think he still is perfect as he was a couple of seasons ago. We do make these big errors and a lot of them do come from the back, you know, sloppy, sloppy goals that we concede. So there is, I think, a lack of quality in our squad somewhere. You know, Sissoko, I was never his biggest fan. I will hold my hands up and say this season he has been one of by far our best players. Very, very much up there. Um, but, you know, is it the fact that he's got really, really good or is it the fact that everyone else around him has dropped a level? Mm. I mean, what I will say about Sissoko is he actually came out after the game and taken the blame for the defeat, which, to be fair, I think has a big thing for him to do. Bearing in mind, you know, he's not at the centre point of some of the the goalkeeping there from Hugo Lloris, which we are going to come on to. But I think, like John has said there, Sissoko, you have to maybe forgive him because maybe he was tired. Listen, of course, you could argue if anyone else in the, on the pitch is in that position, they most probably score. But, you know, his finishing is not his greatest attribute. We all know that. Let's hope he's working on it. I think the key part on it was we know that he's not the the finisher. But the disappointment is you, you've got to at least hit the target from there. And, <laughs> oh, and actually, you know, I, I think he should score from there because there was enough room either side with just a bit of composure. But, you know, at least if he works Alisson, maybe the rebound falls for Sonny or something. But to put it in Rose Ed and then, you know, just moments after that. Danny Rose has such an easy ball into Harry Kane and he balloons it. Completely balloons the ball in the same way that Sissoko did. And and in the space of that, you know, 90 seconds, two glorious chances that we, we just give up. Yeah, we had a load of questions again, actually, this week. So, guys, thank you ever so much for your questions. You can get in touch and send them across to at last word on Spurs. Firstly, more of a statement from Darren at Derrymouth 2. He says, why can't this team see out a match? They tend to miss too many sitters and have far too many defensive lapses, like we have discussed. But Michael Brown here, not the Michael Brown, um, Michael 94724103, got a lot of digits, Ian. He says, this team have performed brilliantly for the last few seasons without much investment. But... We now need proven quality players, not ones with potential. It would also help if we get them at the start of the summer, not last minute. Other teams managed to do so. Can we, Ian? If we're going to think about what we all think we need, you know, if people like a decent goalkeeper, a, a replacement for, at full-backs, possibly a centre-back, a centre-midfield, and, and, and maybe a, a, a backup striker... Where are we going to get 250 million quid from? Mm. Or 300 million quid from? 
you know that I, I still I still hold by the by what I've said before. If if Pochettino can't find anybody in the last two transfer windows to enhance the squad, what's to say he's going to find one in the third? And if it's and if it's Pochettino that's got that's at fault, we've got a problem. If we're not investing in this in the squad because it's all tied up with a stadium and Daniel Levy's got a, you know a stranglehold on the on the purse strings, then we've got an even bigger problem. And I and I just. I, you know, and going back to the first question, I always think that, that football is a game that's won and lost in the changing room before you go onto the pitch. And and I think that you, you have to maintain concentration. I don't know what's happened to our concentration in the last, what is it, last two, two or three months. I really don't know. Because if, it, if, it's, if, if a Bamiyang holds his nerve and he slots that one in a couple of weeks ago, we, we, we go five five games beaten in a row, and 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 that's just not good enough. Mm. So I, I I don't know who we get. I don't I, I don't know who's out there. You know I'm not a scout. I don't do you know I don't do football manager. But I'd like to think that there were some players out there that could that could strengthen and and and, and freshen up the squad. Yeah. So about freshening up, we saw a lineup which saw Lucas Moura in for Sonny. Potentially, you could argue, because of the flight back from Korea this week. But he played against teammate Davidson Sanchez. That was also in the match. So that was the only real change that was of any significance. You might argue that Lucas may be just a fresher after no games. The team lineup did allow um, Spurs to use that back three, meaning Sanchez could follow Firmino when he dropped deep, while his pace is also useful covering behind the other two centre-backs. Pochettino did opt for... One yard, but despite a lack of central midfield options, Son was looking tired before the internationals. Again, you could argue that it's again with the team lineup as we always see on Twitter. There's always this massive, you know, hoo ha about it, and I say the players selected. I think the performance as we've discussed, it wasn't too bad of a performance. But again, it's just individual areas that are costing this team. And just to bring it on, Jace, to the opener, you know, it was a perfect cross from Robertson to pick out Firmino. He somehow got between Sanchez and Vertonghen to head home, and it all came from a poor kick out from Hugo Lloris to absolutely. Nobody, Jace. Yep, poor, poor kick out, and then there's no pressure on the cross from Robertson. I feel a bit, you know, Trippier had a really difficult first half, but he's left with Mane on the outside of him. He's got Robertson in front. It, you know, it's stick or twist for him, is it? If he goes to one, he leaves Mane completely on his own. Christian Eriksen's got to tuck in and give him a, a lot more help. But between them, we just allow Robertson, who, let's be fair, has been a quality fullback all season, just all the time in the world to, to pick his cross. And, and then you're right, Firmino gets in between. We're playing with three centre-halves, and yet there he is, a completely free header, you know, six or seven yards out. So, again, it's a whole collective of, of mistakes. And that, that, that's why I hate pointing the finger just at a defeat on Hugo Lloris Sunday, because there's, there's so much that you can do to avoid both those goals. But, you know... <laughs> It's it, we, like we just said. It's it's just mistakes all through the team at the moment, and and you got to tighten that up. Mm. Now again, I think I've been very public when I've been on the show about my criticism of Larice. So I'm going to leave it to you guys generally. But just on the the situation, John, you know, Liverpool's goal, you would argue, punished Spurs' lack of confidence in passing out from the back. You know, Larice is supposed to start passing moves, but his aimless on ball gave. You know, Liverpool, the possession far too easily in that midfield, and moments later, the ball is in the back of our net. I mean, what did you make of that opener, John? Yeah, it was very disappointing and unfortunately it is the weak point of Lloris's game. He, he regularly kicks goal kicks and, and free kicks for the keeper straight out of play. Um, but to give away possession like that in such a high-intensity game where the first goal is always so crucial really put us on the back foot and led to Liverpool dominating the first half. And he's supposed to be our captain. I didn't see much leadership going on there. Mm. The, the whole thing about Lloris, and again, I've said it before because I, I've been personally very very critical of him, so I'm going to try and steer away from that and allow you guys to kind of take control and give us your thoughts. But, Abby, you know, it's not the first time this season that we've seen a high-profile error from Hugo Lloris. We've seen it, PSV, Barcelona. There's been a lot of games. But there does seem to be this cycle with Lloris that he makes a horrendous mistake in an important game. Then you have Twitter come out and say people want him sold. He then makes an amazing save in a, in a game and everyone loves him again. That kind of cycle seems to repeat itself. Just where are you on Hugo Lloris and his form this season in the Spurs shirt? With him, I mean, I'm not one of, I'm not one of his biggest fans either. Um, and I actually also forget that he is our club captain sometimes. And I can't quite believe that Harry Kane is not our captain. Um, 
with him, it is one of those things because it, he, he does make a lot of mistakes. Uh, you know, his distribution is really poor a lot of the time. Um, and I think as a shot stopper, I think a lot of the time he's actually not too bad. Um, but in terms of other areas of his game, I, I don't think it's up to scratch. But then again, like you just said, he'll have a game like against Dortmund where he's like outstanding and is all over the goal and you can't get anything past him. Or, you know, against Arsenal with the penalty save. OK, whatever. It, could, it wasn't a great pen still against Leicester, saved another one. Like there's things that are games throughout the season where he has obviously kept us in it and obviously has saved us. But then it's it's a very big catch-22 because I think with goalkeepers and the current market, to go out and get an unbelievably good keeper, you're looking at 50-plus mil, you know, and beyond that. And we're not a team that does that. So is it, OK, we give Gazaniga a go and try and, and try and you know, give him a first-team spot and see how that goes. But then, you know, if he makes a couple of mistakes and you've got a World Cup captain sitting on the bench, you say, OK, well, why is he sitting on the bench? It's similar if you were to drop Ericsson, you know, because of how his form's been so up and down as well. It's like, do you drop him out? Who do you put in for him? And then if that goes wrong, then you say, well, why is he sitting on the bench? So it's a big catch-22. And I just I just can't see Potts dropping Lloris. I think, I think he's got way too much faith in him. I don't think he'd ever do that. But you could say it balances it out over the course of the season. But... The individual errors from himself and someone like Trippier and other members of the team, that, that that is the problem. And I think it's the mentality. And even though he is a World Cup winner, you know, I'd, I don't think he has the mentality that helps us because you have to be leading from the back. And if you're not confident in your keeper, then that sends a message to your fullbacks and your defence. Mm, I mean... Ian, you know, Abby really has said it all there, hasn't she, really, in terms of Hugo Lloris. Now, again, we have to highlight, he's made some big, important saves. Dortmund, the Arsenal game. We all thought that Arsenal save was going to be the turning point of his season. And again, your Twitter yesterday, social media, there's now clamour to see Paolo Gazaniga. Now, honestly, Ian, in your opinion, is that guy of the same kind of, maybe not the right word to say level, but do you, would you like to see Lloris bench to give Gazaniga a chance here? What's your thoughts on this goalkeeping problem we've got at the moment? You have a squad of players for a reason. And, you know, I looked at... And, and I think that... You know, you looked at when Gazaniga has come on. All right, he's played against different opposition. But I've, but I've been impressed. And sometimes, you know, that, you, know you look at, look at the, the situation with Lloris at the start of the season. And I think he would say that he was struggling to come to terms with the fact that he... That he was the, the the World Cup winning captain for France, and he was coming, and he was struggling to come to terms with that, and that, and that's what may have prompted the drink drive thing. Now, if that's the case, and he's and he was struggling to come to terms with it, and he's still sort of struggling to come to terms with it, maybe just maybe a stretch on the bench might do something to sort of, you know, change his mindset because that mindset yesterday. Let's be honest. It was a back. It was. A, it was a, a, a. I think any any of us on this podcast could have saved that bloody <laughs> header from from Salah. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't exactly a powerful header, hmm. you know. And then not only does not only does he sort of like push it into into Alderweireld, but then lets it go under his body as well. And it's like I'm sorry, you know. Sometimes it's like Ericsson. You know, Ericsson for me offered offered Trippier zero cover yesterday and everybody bangs on about Trippier having a bad game but if you've ever played full back and I spent you know spent 20 years playing competitive football and and I used to play at left back for a while and, it, and if you're playing left back and you've got nobody in front of you you could be Maldini and you'd still have a shocker because you're not getting any bloody you're not getting any cover and I think that we have to get to the stage where you know we, we, we can't be you know we, could, we should be brave and if, and if players like Ericsson and Lloris could do with some time on the bench then they have some time on the bench because that way you know you encourage the other players to step up to the mark at the minute what, what is Gazaniga's motivation you know what? What is the motivation from some of the the the, the fringe midfield players who, who maybe want to come on and and maybe would have provided a little bit more coverage for Trippier yesterday? 
Mm, I mean, Jace, come on, let's bring him in because you're always fair balanced on the goalkeeping situation. We're getting a load of questions about Larice, the general perception around it. I mean, Paul at Lagger61 says, as Hugo's mistakes in big matches got to the point now where we have to seriously look at replacing him. Robin Nest at Harlow C says, is it time for a change of captain? We seem to lack an on-field captain like presence. Kane maybe to take over. Steve Lewis even says here, did Jorelio Gomez make this many errors in one season? And he was a comedy figure for some. I mean, Jace, come on, where do you stand on the Hugo Larice debate? Because I... What I will say, I agree with Abby at one point, is that there is other areas in this squad that you would argue and say that they're more of a priority to improve. We've got the full-back situation. We've got the central midfield area. And as pressing as, you know, goalkeeper is for Tottenham, it's a massive important position. It saves your points. It also costs you them. Just where do you stand, Jason, Hugo Lloris, at the moment? I think it's... Um, I think there's two areas looking at Hugo at the moment. When, when you think about the summer, the, the, the key thing is that if we want to play, playing out from the back football, is Hugo's distribution alone enough for us to do that? Because the, the amount of times we put ourselves under pressure because of his distribution. So regardless of his shot-stopping ability, as he's dropped balls, as he, he come out for a punch and missed it, it, it actually our football starts with playing out from the back and we've got a goalkeeper that's not capable of doing that at the moment. So... From that point of view, from there on inwards, we saw our Manchester City sorted that and we saw our Liverpool sorted that with, with going to get goalkeepers that were comfortable doing it. So just from that one thing, you'd say perhaps it is time to to think, is, have, have we got to get a new goalkeeper from that point of view? I think it's difficult then to talk about picking Gazaniga. So let's be fair, the last two games I think Gazaniga had was Chelsea away in the Capital One Cup, wasn't it? And I think one of their goals went straight through him, didn't it? If I remember rightly, either the right. first or yep. second on the night went absolutely straight through him. And you think, you know, dear, would Hugo have saved that? We then go to Crystal Palace four days later and he parries a ball straight into the path of, of who was it who scored? Connor Wickham or something, wasn't it? And you think, you know, you, uh, you got all the, all the area to parry it and you parried it straight into Connor Wickham. So his last two games, he's made two mistakes that have cost us a goal. And then sometimes it's also about how you react to those mistakes. I mean, I thought their goalkeeper made a bit of a mean of one, which, which Kane shot, didn't he? And the, the rebound came straight to Christian Eriksen. Yep. He parried it straight into Eriksen's path. But look how quickly Robertson reacted to the chance and got a block on. And, you know, it, it's things like that, isn't it? It is the whole thing. And, you know, where was Danny Rose on that goal yesterday? On the far post header, how was Mohamed Salah walks completely round the back with no one near him with a free header, you know, four yards out without even having to jump for it? And, and so it's a whole combination of things. But with Hugo, I, I would probably say it's time to look for a new goalkeeper, mainly to start with being able to play out from the back and, and trying to relieve some of the pressure that we instantly put ourselves under. After that, <laughs> then it's a different matter entirely. But, but you're right, you, we're talking about having to bring in you know, possibly six or seven players this <laughs> this summer. And we all know it's just the very happen. first thing yeah. that then we'll all be sitting here next season saying we need time to gel because you can't bring seven players into a squad and expect it to gel straight away. So, you know, if, you're, if you can only do three or four positions, is that the most pressing position? It's, it's really hard, mm. really hard. Tricky. I mean, just on the, the winning goal for Liverpool, John, you know, I think we've said obviously, our piece on Lloris now. We've made it very clear to where we stand on Hugo. And the thing with him is, like I said, we've spoke about a guy there that's made big saves in his time at Spurs. We can't forget that. But the errors, as I say, are becoming more frequent. But... Alderweireld always seems to kind of escape any form of criticism because of just the nature of who he is. Everyone loves Toby, and I think there is almost a, a resignation now that probably he is going to leave us at the end of the season. But do you find that, John, that amongst maybe the support sometimes, that Alderweireld seems to be able to escape it? Because he's also got to take fault in the way that winning goal came about, didn't he, for the, the way he was defending it? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, look, yes, he should have cleared it, but he couldn't have anticipated that Larice was going to drop that. You know, sometimes in life oh, something no, happens so yeah. quickly that you just can't yeah. react because it was so unexpected that Larice, who probably watches every single day, catch those sort of crosses for fun, um, suddenly to drop it. Um, but I did feel like he could have hooked it away with his left angle, left foot and he seemed at a sort of bad angle to clear it. Um, but yes, as you say, Alderweireld does seem to always escape criticism, um, whereas someone like Sanchez, for example, people jump on top of him. Um, and I don't know why that is. People seem to love Toby and he's proved to be very good for us. Pay him whatever he wants, Rick. <laughs> he said pay him whatever he wants. Whatever he wants. Pay him, oh dear. I pay him the... whatever he wants. 
<laughs> I think the issue Jace you've got at the moment is obviously with Alderweireld. The reason why the Lloris is highlighted more is only Jordan Pickford has made more errors into goals in the Premier League since 2016-17 than Hugo Lloris, which is probably why you would argue he got the barrel of it against the Liverpool game after it rather than Toby Alderweireld. But I mean, let's discuss you know the quick thinking from Harry Kane who picked out Kieran Trippier with a great crossfield free kick. And it found its way to Lucas, who smashed the ball home. I mean, Abby, quick thinking from Harry Kane to find Trippier. Great balling from him. Lucas's finish. Was that just the, the only positive, really, of the game, the, the way we finished that? Because, again, we talk about it. We didn't play that bad. We, 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 we didn't play that bad. But, obviously, what's happened has happened. So, now we're all on a downer about it. But it's such a shame that we don't have a team of Harry Kane's or that he could not cross to himself because some of the balls that he does are just unbelievable. And if only he had that same service. And I think Ericsson used to give him that same service, but Ericsson doesn't really like he can be bothered anymore to give it. So that that's the problem. I, I do think that we are just, I think we're just missing something. Just, just We're just missing, like we said, we're not going to go out and replace like six, seven players, which I actually think we need. And I think the whole problem is, is that we should have obviously progressively done that. You know, a couple last summer, and before, and before that at Christmas, and actually the ones that need replacing. But now you're in a position where we have to strengthen quite a lot of our team. And then you said about the gelling thing. And I get that. I don't believe for a second that it's about that he didn't, that, that Poch didn't feel like there could be anyone that could benefit or bring anything to the team. I genuinely don't believe there was any money because of the stadium and because of whatever, whatever other reasons there is. I don't believe that it wasn't that you can't go and strengthen. Potentially it could be that they don't feel like anyone for the money they could afford would benefit the team. But I think that had we have got, I, I think had we have gone and got Jack Grealish, you know, if the, if the new chairman of Villa hadn't have come in and stopped that, I think that probably could have helped us. Cause I think this season in midfield, I think that has been a big problem for us. And that is where we have been overrun. And obviously Sissoko has stepped up, but with injuries to people like Harry Winks and obviously missing Dembele, I think that is a real big miss for us. And I think that Wanyama, who's obviously only played like eight or nine games for us in the space of two seasons, so I think that that is definitely a key area we're going to have to um, we're going to have to strengthen this summer. But it will be, I think it will be a hard test actually. Maybe not not so much this summer, but you know, if we if we do for whatever reason end up finishing not in the top four, and if we don't strengthen, I think it's going to be a really hard task to keep players like Harry Kane and Deli Alley after this season. John, Abby discusses there just from Spurs' perspective how much Champions League football is absolutely essential. We've got the new stadium coming, of course, the big game on Wednesday night against Crystal Palace. Alex Dick does ask the question here, just how much of a disaster will it be if, well, which is when we are playing Europa League football next season? Let's hope it's not when. Let's hope it's if. <laughs> Let's hope we can get Champions League football still. John, thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Alex, I can't agree with that. I think we will get Champions League football. Tell him why, John. Come will. on, tell him why. I, I just think we've got five home games. Some of our rivals have got five away games and hard away games. We've got five home games. If we get that win against Palace, we'll get the springboard to go on and win the following home games. We've got Bournemouth away. I expect us to go and win that. City away is obviously the difficult one, but playing them three times in ten days, we're not going to lose all three. Football just doesn't work like that. Um, <laughs> so I, I just think we'll get a real springboard from getting into the stadium I've lucky to have been to the past two test events and had a look another time and it's just fantastic everything about it everyone will buzz off it players will buzz off it and I know Pochettino and the staff are really excited to get in there um, along with the players and um, just get going in there you know once we get that first win I think that will really lift us for the rest of the season I mean, we have to hope this is the springboard. I mean, Pochettino, after the Liverpool game, he said, with all the circumstances my players have dealt with, especially in the last two years, to still be competitive, the stadium moves them more. They are heroes to me. I mean, Ian, Pochettino's post-match press conferences, when we do lose, he seems to come out with a lot of these glorified comments. And, you know, as fans, obviously you want to be kept positive. But what do you make of those comments from Pochettino? Obviously alluding to the fact that it hasn't been easy for the players, the transition across from stadiums, you know, White Hart Lane to Wembley, now to a new stadium. How much do you think, will it be a, a boost? It's got to be a boost getting into that new stadium. A, a massive game against Crystal Palace. I mean, like John says there, the five home games we have got, are you confident that with that in our locker still, in our armoury, we can achieve a top four finish this season? Um... Ask me after 60 minutes on Wednesday. <laughs> oh, God. No, no I'm, 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 being, I'm being serious. You know, all this, this hero business, you know, 
it's 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 something that's used too often the real heroes are the flipping paramedics and the you know and, and the firemen they're, they're the real heroes and I, and i think it's very very difficult for, for for me to sort of like agree with a manager who's who's who's, who's sitting up in the stands and he's relaying things on a mobile phone i don't know i i i, I, I can't go with this hero business Mm. I don't, I, I don't, I don't get that. You know, when, 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 you know, one, one of, one of these heroes has just, you know, ju- has just let the ball roll under him, for, for, to allow, you know, to, to allow, you know, Liverpool to snatch all three points. I don't get it. As I said, I want to go to the new stadium. I've not been um, on on Wednesday, and I want to get that bounce because. You know, like I've said to you privately, Rick, I think I've fallen out of love of football a bit. I think all that Wembley rubbish, and you know, and and you know, by by Wednesday night, I'd have seen, <clears throat> I'd have seen Tottenham have a competitive home match at three different venues. So I, I want to go there, and I want to make it feel like home. Now, all the people that have been to the test events that I know, you know, good friends of mine have said that it's just like White Hart Lane on steroids. You know, I want to <laughs> see that. Do you know what I mean? I want, I want, I want to feel that. I, I need to feel that. You know, I need to get that love of the foot of, of football back, and more importantly, a love of Tottenham Hotspur back, because I've lost that over the last season, to be honest. Well, let's so, have them find it for you again. Let, let, Go on, let's have exactly, them find it for you. Exactly. If that new stadium can't do it, I'm sure. Well, I don't know what can. I mean, Jace, you have been to that new stadium. It looks absolutely incredible. Tell us, Jace, do you believe, like John has said there, that getting into that new stadium, the five home games we do have in there, will that be enough, do you think, to see us over the line, Jace, for a top-four finish? Well, it's, it's got to be a bonus for us because, you know, let's be fair about it, if we were playing Palace on Wednesday night at Wembley with, what, 31,000, with an absolutely toxic, fed-up crowd that, that hate being there, that have lost faith in the results, that are shouting bottlers at every single player, you know... We need, in a, in a run where we've got one point from 15, we need something positive to go for us. And hopefully that stadium will be that, that positive thing and that people will be going to, to Tottenham on, on Wednesday looking forward to going to Tottenham for a game of football rather than dreading going to Wembley and taking all that negativity with them into, the, into Wembley Stadium. And like I say, as you walk in there, you can't fail to, to be impressed by it. Um, you know, like I, I made a comment Saturday that whether you're Levy in or Levy out, you can't possibly stand in that stadium and use the word they've ruined our football club. It's a magnificent stadium. It it it's, it doesn't feel like White Hart Lane because of the size of it, yet it's got that that vibe to White Hart Lane. And for me personally, it's going to sound stupid, but just the sight of navy blue seats makes you realise you're home instead of those poxy red things I've had to look at for two years. So, you know, you're going in and you instantly get a lift as a fan going into it. And I'm sure that from the first few minutes, you're going to try and back the team. But as Ian says, the key thing, I've heard lots of people say it's impossible to get an atmosphere going at Wembley and that's why there's no singing. But if Palace go 1-0 up, we need 62,000 people, 59,000 home fans singing or getting behind the team, not instantly saying, oh, these players are a bunch of bottlers. We do it every year because if you're going to moan and groan, then you won't get the bounce in the stadium. But at least that, that minute one kickoff time, you've got 59,000 people with positive thoughts in their minds rather than 32,000 people who are so negative and hating going there and can't wait for 75 minutes so they can get a train home, which is what we get at Wembley every time. So, yeah, it's got to be a, a massive chance for us. But it's up to our fans to play the part as well. And, and, you know, let's be fair about it. We can talk about recriminations at the end of the season, about individual players. But we're now in a position with seven games to go. We have got to get behind the team. There can't be any moaning at players. Every single point is important. And it's just we have our role to play. And, and, and save the moaning now until the season. that We all know we need a new right-back. We know we need a new midfield player. We know we need a backup striker to Harry Kane. But moaning and groaning over the next seven games we haven't got them is not going to get us any points on the pitch. So come on, it's, it's a real rallying cry. Enjoy that stadium and get, 
get your bums off those seats and sing for those fucking teams and really go for it because we need it now. There you go. Jason McGovern back on the last one on Spurs with a bang. I mean, Abby, listen, you've also had the great fortune to be at the, the test event, I mean, the Legends match, which we're going to speak about in a second. I mean, Abby, listen, we can't be inspired in that new stadium, then when can we be? I mean, it is hard games left, you'd argue, for Spurs, you know, Man City away, West Ham at home, only because they always turn up because it's their cup final for West Ham. You then look at United's running, they got Man City, Chelsea at home, Wolves, Everton away, Arsenal, Wolves, Leicester, Everton away, Chelsea, Man United, Liverpool, Leicester away. I mean, it's going to be a real battle to the finish, but Abby, like I said, you know, you've been in that stadium. Is that going to inspire us, do you think, over the line? It's absolutely imperative we get you know, that's a Champions League football for next season. It's imperative with that new stadium. If that stadium does not inspire them, nothing will. Because it, it, it does genuinely, it really does feel like White High Lane. And anyone who's been there has really said the same thing. You kind of forget where you are because you're like, oh, well, I am at White High Lane. But it's not really White High Lane, but it is White High Lane. But it is incredible. And there is no... You know, even the other day at that Legends game, like it, it just felt like home. And I don't think it will be a hindrance going back... Home. I know people were like saying, oh, like, is it bad to move at this time of the season? I actually think it's probably come at the best possible time considering on the dip and the form that we've been on. Um, so to go home, and I, like, I think Jason said it before, I mean, very empowering speech he just gave. Maybe you should do the, maybe you should do the team talk before the game. Um, you know, you, you can't not want to play there. You can't not go there and want to give 100% and leave your whole, leave everything on that pitch. You know, you're going to want to win that first game and set the tone. And it, we do now have every game we've got left is a cup final because we've put ourselves in that position. So you have to go out there and you've got to fight and you've got to make sure that you are fighting together as a team. So I feel like that's where we've been lacking and that's where we've been going wrong. And I think Poch actually said it after Southampton, um, everyone was playing 11 different games in that second half and they weren't all collective. And they have to remember that it's the end goal for everyone, whether or not this one wants to move to this club and this one doesn't want to do this and whatever. You know, the end of the thing is you're only as good as your last performance and you're only as good as your last win and we haven't won in ages. So... (coughs) For them, they've got to pick themselves up and they've got to put on a performance because there will be everyone there and everyone will be behind the team because they're going to be so buzzing because most people haven't had the luxury of going there. A lot of people haven't had that and gone to the test events and been lucky enough that some of us have to go and see and, and feel what it's like when you walk in. And it is just, it's the most amazing feeling to be coming home. And, and whether or not they care about the club as much as we all do, you know, they will. They should still have that feeling of coming home. And when they walk out on that pitch on Wednesday night, it's just going to be unbelievable. You are going for the first time Wednesday, just just as a general thing. Get there early. You know, mm. forget going back to the, the Bricklayers or the Bellinaire or the Bilnick. For that first game, get in there early because, you know, the bag searches and, and all that going on will be a nuisance for some people. I know it's a midweek game, which makes it harder. But, you know, give yourself every opportunity to get in there because, you know, those test events do help with familiarity. But when you've got people there for the first time, gulping in or taking their videos on their phone, which they're bound to do, you're not quite sure where you're going. Don't do not do the stupid thing and try and go into the stadium 10 minutes before kickoff. Otherwise, you will then start moaning and groaning about it. Do yourself a favour. Get in there early. Enjoy the beer through the bottom of the glass. Enjoy the, the beer in a pint for five quid. But give yourself a chance to get in that stadium rather than leaving it till the last minute. Ian, now let's just turn our focus a, a, a bit to the Legends match. Now, for those that were there, obviously would have seen it. It was also streamed by Spurs on Twitter and I think via their website and Instagram. I mean, Ian, it was, it was, you know, it's a fun event, isn't it? We saw the likes of Paul Gascoigne, Mickey Hazard play, David Jindler out there, Robbie Keane. You might argue, in the way Robbie Keane scored that wonderful goal, should we bring him back for the squad? <laughs> Um, I hate to say this, but you had a bit more mobility than Lorente. <laughs> well, you've got more um, mobility than Lorente, haven't you? Haven't you? Well, yeah. Um, like as I said, I, I never had the, 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 the luxury of going to the test event. What I, I will say, and what I was really impressed with, I've seen a couple of clips on social media. There's 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 one of the of of the of the, of the crowd singing "Oh, when the Spurs." And there's the the, the shelf side, um, part lane, backwards and forwards, and I, and I just thought, my God, the noise that 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 was being generated. And I, I'm with Jason, you know, I, and and I'll take his advice. I plan to get there. The club wants me there at four forty-five. I might just be there at past four, just to be just to be on the safe side. I'll go in. I'll have me my beer from the bottom up. 
I'll, I'll have something to eat. You know, it'll be, it'll be my me, me and my son's first first foray into the new ground, and it'll be the first time that we've that we've used our stadium access cards that have that have seemed to have been in the house for a lifetime. So you know, I'm look, I'm looking forward to it, and and and. There'll be no negativity from me, you know, for for, for, for when I go in there, because I'm looking forward to sitting on a on, on a on a on a navy blue seat. I'm looking forward to being at my seat, you know, the seat that I've spent, you know, me and my lad have spent, you know, nine hundred and fifty quid each on. You know, I want to be there. I want to I want to contribute. And I think if 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 as Jason and and Abby says, you know, you've got sort of like you know, 59,000 all doing the same thing, and bloody hell, Paris ain't going to know what's hit them. And, right. and, and, and that's what we want, isn't it? That's what we want throughout the, 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 the next seven games, is, is for the, the opposition to not know what's hit them. And that's what we need to do. Agree with that. Now, just on Palace, it's going to be an interesting game because for them, they are going to be obviously the first visitors to the new stadium. And you just wonder, Jace, you know, as an opposition, they're coming, they want to spoil the party. I mean... It's not. I mean, again, Spurs. We've been in a situation with Wembley before, haven't we? Where you know the opposition team coming to Wembley, it normally inspires them. Therefore, do you feel Spurs they can potentially handle this situation? Um, well, proof is in the pudding, isn't it? Wednesday. I mean, I'm sure Palace are looking forward to it, but you know they'd have looked forward to. Would they have preferred to be going to Wembley, where where they knew that if they could score first, the crowd would just instantly turn and they'd be the toxic feeling without a roar or do they want to be going to a, a stadium where as, as inspirational as it might be to them, they know the opposition's crowd up for it. I mean, we all know what it's like going to, to stadiums that are, are noisy and where it, you know, look how, look how excited we were going to Dortmund's, but we also knew our, our going to Dortmund would be such a challenge because of that. So I, I'm confident. I just think that that stadium, I think I saw enough about us at Liverpool to think their little bad spell. I know we made mistakes, but, we, we didn't play that badly at Liverpool. And, and let's be fair about it, they are a good side, Liverpool. They're not second for... or Are they second or are they topped? I can't remember which they've gone now. They're top, top. Really. But, yeah, you know, they're they've top. been a fantastic side this season. They're a fantastic side at Anfield. And so to be able to go and play there and, and dictate a lot of that game, especially in that second half, I think if we can produce that type of football against Palace, and I do think the crowd will be with us, then I do expect us to get the three points. And it would be so good to get a, an early goal and settle some nerves and things like that. So hopefully we can, mate. Mm, I mean, John, I want to ask you about the Legends event, because you've obviously been to both of them. Abby, I know, was at the Legends as well. Tell us what your thoughts were on that event before we just go into Palace a bit more in depth. John, what was your thoughts on the game itself and just the atmosphere around the stadium? Seeing Gascoigne obviously put on a Spurs shirt, David Ginola as well, Berbatov, Keane, those legends throughout the pitch. I mean, tell us what you've made of it, John. Yeah, it was a fantastic opportunity to, to welcome and greet our former heroes back. And it was a, a hero for every genre, every age group, really. You know, like some of the older players, Naeem, uh, Mickey Hazard, uh, and then some more recent players, Berbatov, Van der Vaart, Keane. So it was a great day for everybody to enjoy. Um, and it was a real good game, actually. Some of the players, I mean, like Anderson, for example, put in a real shift. Aquino looked great. Van der Vaart, nice little touches. Gaza did his 10-minute shift. I don't know how many times he touched the ball, but, you know, he was there. Um, you know, so it was just a wonderful day. I mean, there was a point in the second half where we had a midfield five with a combined age of 500. Mark Falco, bless him, Naeem, Gaza, Mickey Hazard, and Darren Anderton. And, I mean, they, 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 did, their, and, and they did their best. They charged around, but... Uh, it was a shame to spoil the party by getting the fifth, but uh, everyone had a good day, and uh, I'm glad so many people got to see the stadium. And everyone I spoke to, and everyone's faces just were lit up like the Cheshire Cat. You know, everyone was so happy to be home, so impressed with the facilities. And when you see the ground for the first time, when you actually see that green grass and you see the Park Lane, you just all your frustration about Wembley and the money being taken, you just forget it all. I can just tell you that from my experience, you just instantly forget it all, and you're so excited to be home, and you can't wait to. You know, see the season unfold and hopefully end positively for us. Yeah, I mean, Abby, also you were there, the test event at the weekend. I mean, tell us your thoughts. How much did you enjoy it, Abs? I mean, you mentioned there about going to the ground. You can't help but feel inspired. No, it was amazing. It was such a great day. And you could just, everyone was just so buzzing and they were so excited to see all these legends come out. And like, it just had a really good feel factor about it. And do you know what? I realised there were so many people. Like I know it sounds really stupid because obviously going from how many we, we used to we used to have at Old White Hart Lane and even it being even more sparse at Wembley. Like there was just so many people. But there's so many things to look at. Like and it's just 
it's just an amazing atmosphere. I think everyone's just gonna gonna love it. There's nothing you can't love about it because it's your home and it's your new home and it's what we've all been waiting for for so long. And it was just a really nice way. And I know we lost the game, but it doesn't really matter. Like it just was the overall experience of the day and it was really lovely just to see so many kids out there and like they've obviously haven't really they haven't experienced it before and then walking in and like wow and like looking at everything it just reminds me of when I went to my first game being like eight years old and being like this is like the coolest place ever and um it's just really nice I'm just I'm really excited to get in there now for Wednesday I feel like it's just been such a long time coming and I'm, I'm just really excited. I think everyone's going to love it. There's just so many also like historical things about Tottenham that are just like dotted around, like from the centre spot to like the programme wall and stuff. It's just, it's in keeping. Like it makes you, it makes you feel like you never really left home and like you're, you're in your home anyway. And it's just nice. Like it's, it connects like old and new together. It's great as well when they've sighted the cockerel, the way it's yeah. got its own little platform and, and overlooking, you know, it's when you see that type of thing go up on social media and, and things you tend to think all oh, right there's another little gimmick it, it's not until you actually see it with your own eyes and you're in the stadium you appreciate you know the thinking that went on behind that and it, and it just seems such a perfect place for it and, and a real feature of the grounds rather than it just being lost on the top of a roof anywhere Ian just bringing it back to Palace for these next 10 minutes or so at the moment Palace are sitting 13th in the Premier League 36 points from 31 played if we look at Cardiff at the moment who are sitting 18th on 28 points a gap there of eight points between them what kind of Palace side are we expecting Ian do you see him to come and take the game to Spurs because what I will say about Palace is when I've watched them they tend to be quite a free-flowing side I can't see them coming to Spurs and putting 11 men behind the ball I see them maybe giving it a go is that how you maybe see it Ian? Yeah, and just, just going back to what Jason said about the cockerel, you know, whenever I've visited the, the stadium, um, you know, in, in the last sort of three, three, three to five months, what is really good about the new stadium as well is that when you come out of Seven Sisters and you walk up Tottenham Green and you, you, you press the top of the hill, the first thing you see is the cockerel. And, it, and, and that, is a, that is a really clever piece of sighting. But um, but moving on, um, Palace. I think Palace will. I think Palace will come and and and, and play an expansive game because you don't have you don't have players like you know Zaha and, and Townsend who will want to want to show us what he can do. And um, you know Jason's mate, the right back, will probably want to put in a shift. Wamba Saka. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's hope it's his, it's his sort of like. Um, it's his audition for 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 fulfilling you know fulfilling our our shirt next year, and and you know and, and Van Arnold and they they got some good players Palace and and I think that um, I don't think they'll I think they'll want to come and, and be a part of of the party. I just think that um, you know going back in in recent history, you know I I I think that I remember that game where where I think you know. Red Knapp was there and he'd sort of like been identified that he, he might be going for the England job and, and, and we played Newcastle and we thumped them 5-0 yeah. and, I, and I can I can just see a repeat I can I, I just I, I, I can just see a repeat of another 5-0 for Spurs and, and I'm doing my I'm, I'm channeling my inner John Manning's here so <laughs> everybody's going to think that I'm talking at my ass. but you know I can, I can just see I can just see us absolutely getting a you know, doing a cricket score against Palace. See what we've done to you, Ian. You started off the show negative. We've ended it on a positive. See how happy you are for you now? You feel a lot better, didn't you? Oh, I feel absolutely banging now, mate. I wish I'd have come on earlier. <laughs> so I told you this therapy works. I told you it does. I mean, yeah, it does. Bang him. <laughs> John, Palace, what are you expecting from them? The kind of game they're going to play in the new stadium? Yeah, I think Palace is actually a great opposition for us because their fans will be really up for it, which will in turn lead to our fans being up for it. So there'll be no excuse for people settling in or anything our fans will have to be up for it because the Palace end will be bouncing and in turn that will make our whole park lane be bouncing and the north stand directly next to the Palace fans I think the atmosphere is going to be absolutely amazing and the way the stadium's designed to carry the noise so when stops songs stop you still hear them for three four five seconds after and it's just incredible so atmosphere is going to be on point nighttime game under the lights I think it's in a really fast-paced game Palace got some fantastic players as Ian was was setting out um but I fancy you have to nick it. Maybe a maybe a three one to Spurs, three two maybe. Oh, okay, three one Spurs, three two. Abby coming in. What's your thoughts going into this one? Give us your prediction. <laughs> what do you think? 
I just feel like you can't really predict us anymore. No, that's true. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to go with the Tottenham win because I think that we have to break this run at some point. And I just I can't imagine a world where we won't <laughs> where we won't win that first game. I can't even bear to think about it. Um, so I'm going to go Tottenham win. I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go 3-1. But I think that it will be. I think we'll go one nil up, and then I think it'll be. I think it'll be a late goal, a late goal that we feel that we can breathe. Okay. Typical Spurs yeah. then. Typical Spurs. I think it'll be in Tottenham fashion. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jace, before I come to you for your prediction, um, I want to get your thoughts, Jason Christian Eriksen. Now, we haven't had you on the show for a couple of weeks, so it'd be good to hear your thoughts because obviously there's many out there that feel Eriksen is almost stopped playing for these last six, seven weeks. The talk, obviously, again, the summer isn't going away about Eriksen, and many feel where Toby, although despite his errors we've discussed on the show, has kept on playing, Eriksen, to a degree, we just haven't, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't really been involved. Do you think that's fair, Jace, or is that, again, singing out one player, which in this show you've said it's a team collective thing? You can't really sing out one player. Just thoughts on Ericsson, Jace, before you give your prediction. I think highlighting his bad form is, is fair. He's, he's nowhere near the player that we want him to be at the moment. I don't think it has anything to do with with possible summer moves or anything like that. I think that's that's just, I think that's an easy stick to beat him with. I think he's just a player that he's, He's chronically out of form. And, you know, the, the, the flip side of that for us, I think Dave Ellis made a really good point when he said, we're now having to see Harry drop into the number 10. I mean, some of the, his passing on Saturday, Harry, was, was uh, Sunday rather, was fantastic. The ball out to Trippier. But it was also him that, that set up the chance for Moussa Sissoko with it. And maybe that's the problem at the moment we've got with Ericsson, in that Harry's having to drop into the number 10. And perhaps if that had been Ericsson putting a through ball through, and we'd have had Kane and Son running forward with it, rather than having to have Sissoko going, it might well have been a different outcome. But he definitely needs to, to step up. But like I say, for me, it's got absolutely nothing to do with with possible summer talks and things like that. I think it's just, that's that's putting two and two together and coming up with seven, mate. OK. And Jace, come on in. Let's have a prediction from you. I'm going for Spurs to win by two clear goals. Two clear goals. OK. Now, finally, guys, just to wrap it up, just on this top four, let's have a prediction. And do we all believe, do we all believe we're going to get Champions League football? Do we believe we're going to turn around this form? We are going to finish in that top four. We are going to have Champions League football next season at the brand new stadium. God, we've got a massive game against Man City to come at that new stadium, which is going to also be incredible. Jace, sticking with you, come on. Are we going to do it? Are we going to find a way in these next five league games to get enough points to get Champions League football secured for next season? Very confident we will do, yeah. Yeah, OK. Even with losing at City, I think we'll, we'll do enough in the other six games. You know, like, like you said, you've got Liverpool... Liverpool, Chelsea to come. You've got Chelsea also have to go to Old Trafford. You've got Man United having to go to Man City. So there's, there's difficult games. I can't see any of those teams picking up seven wins out of seven. So I definitely think if we win six of our games or even five wins in a draw, then we're definitely going to the Champions League. OK. John, come on. Let's have your thoughts. Because we mentioned the hard games we've got left. You know, Spurs, we said Man City away. West Ham at home. Man United, you've got Man City. They've got to play Chelsea at home. Wolves, Everton away for them. Arsenal, Wolves, Leicester, Everton away. Chelsea, Man United, Liverpool, Leicester away. I mean, John, there'll be more twists and turns, won't there, before the season's up? Yeah, many more twists and turns. And the two Arsenal games you didn't mention, they've also got Watford away and Burnley away. Now, we ah, lost okay. both of those games. I can tell you full yeah. well, they're very, very difficult games. Arsenal haven't kept a clean sheet away the entire season. So, their fans getting excited because they're above us for 48 hours until Wednesday. Let's talk <laughs> after that. But, on a serious note, will we get in the top four? 100%. I'm very confident. If we get that win against Palace, that will give us a springboard and we'll, we'll do it. OK. Abby, confident still? Yes, I still think we will get. I still think we'll get Champions. Doesn't League. sound that confident. Abs. They have to, Abs. They, they have to. <laughs> Do you know what? No, no, no. I am. I'm confident that we'll get Champions League. Whether or not we finish third, I'm not so sure. But I think that we'll finish. I don't. I don't believe that we'll finish outside of the top four. Okay, that's good enough. Putting it, I know. Putting it politically correct. I don't. I don't think we'll. I don't necessarily think we can finish, or we will. I don't. Not that we can't. I don't think that we will finish third. But mm. I think that we will finish in the top four. Yep. So, there yeah. So, there you go. Ian, come on. We've ended it on a positive with you just a minute ago. You're going to give us the final rally, Ian, say we can do this? It's a mathematical possibility. Uh, what, either way or the <laughs> way for Spurs to get the Champions League? <laughs> you, you, know, you know me. You know, I, you know, 
it, it has to be. Uh, I, I think we have to. We all have to believe, and, and we have to take that belief into the into the game on Wednesday. So that there's 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 my there's my sort of like positivity at the end, mate. How's that for you? Okay. Well, there's not a bad way to sign off. Listen, huge game on Wednesday against Crystal Palace in that new stadium. As Jason has echoed on this show, get yourselves there nice and early. Get into that ground. Obviously, bag checks there. But go and enjoy Beaver Town or all these bars that are around there. I mean, some of the bars are absolutely incredible. So go in, soak up the atmosphere early. It's going to be an incredible atmosphere for that first game. Also, there's going to be the opening ceremony as well. So much to look forward to. Jace, thank you as always for coming back on the show. No problem, mate. Good to be back. And I think the last time I did one was the last time Spurs won a game. So, you know, I think Brexit had just been invented at that time. It seems a long time. A lot happens, Jason, in six, seven weeks. <laughs> lots, lots changed, that's for sure. Oh, I know too about it. This bloody full man, this team. Abby, thank you ever so much for coming back on the show. Always a pleasure, Abby. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Next, you know what? It'd be nice to come on here after we've actually won a game because every time I've been on, we've lost. But Abby, the concerning thing is everyone, keep, everyone keeps saying that to me at the moment. What's, uh, is that the full... <laughs> we'll have to find Honestly. a way of putting it right, Abs. I know, we need to we need to fix that quick time. Fix it quick time, we're going to make it happen. And John, thank make, you for Make sure you get Abby on in three years' time then. <laughs> oh, God, cheers, Jason. <laughs> me. Bloody hell, too much you want to end it on a positive. John, thank you for coming back on the show. Always a pleasure, John. Thanks a lot, Rick, mate. Really enjoyed it. And uh, come on, you Spurs, on Wednesday night. There you go. Sign up from John and Ian. Always a pleasure. Thank you for coming back on the show. You're welcome, Rick. Anytime. Oh, you're very kind. Well, listen, guys, as we said... Get down there early for Crystal Palace at that new stadium. It's going to be rocking. Enjoy it. Let's hope we get the new Wild Lane off to a stormer with three points against Crystal Palace. And as always, come on, you Spurs! Sports Social Podcast Network.